Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast. As always, thank you for joining me. So in this episode, I will preview the upcoming and the last SEC series of the year as LSU hits the road to take on the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens. In addition to taking a look at the key Georgia hitters and pitchers, I will give you my three keys to the weekend for the Tigers, my picks for the Get Right, Stay Right list, a series prediction, and then finally an SEC rundown. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all the other major audio platforms. If you're viewing this on the YouTube channel, please make sure to subscribe to the channel, like the video, comment. I try to reply to as many comments as possible. And then once again, follow me on Twitter. The handle is at 60FT6IMLSUPod. If you missed the last episode, I reviewed the disaster that was the Mississippi State Series as LSU drops two out of three to the Bulldogs and drops their second series in a row. As always, the link for that podcast can be found on my Twitter account. All the major audio platforms in that video is up on the YouTube page as well. So let's get into it. First up, LSU gets a victory versus McNeese State last night. So that pushes LSU to 40-12 and 12 on the season. They are 17-9 and nine in SEC play. Uh, they are currently ranked either fourth or fifth in all the major polls with an RPI sitting at number four in the country. Georgia comes into this weekend at 28-24. and 24 and they are 7-12 and 12 in SEC play. They do have series wins versus Arkansas and Tennessee, though, just like LSU, so they have had the ability to beat very good teams. Georgia did get swept on the road last weekend versus Mizzou, which really hurt their chances in, in terms of getting into a regional, and they're really fighting for their life to get into the SEC tournament at this point. They really need one win this weekend to reserve their spot in Hoover for next week. Taking a look at some of the key stats for each team, and remember, we do this here on the pod. At this point in the season, I'm looking at SEC statistics only for both LSU and Georgia. When you look at the hitters, LSU is still third in the conference in batting average at 283. They remain first in slugging, first in on-base percentage, first in hits. So as much as we, uh, in terms of the LSU fan base, like to moan or get frustrated with regards to the offense at times, bottom line, when you look at the stats, they are by far and away the best hitting team in the SEC. In terms of Georgia, now those guys can swing it as well. They are fourth in batting average in SEC conference games at 274. They come in third at slugging percentage. They are fourth in home runs. Some interesting thing about the Georgia hitters now, they don't strike out a ton. Actually, the third fewest amount of times in the conference, but they don't walk at all really either. They really don't walk at all. They are 13th in the conference in terms of uh, walks. So they get really the least amount of walks in the conference or second to uh, the least amount of walks. So my point is, look, they swing a lot. Okay, they don't strike out. They put the ball in play. They're not coming up there to walk. So that can be good or bad, depending on how you want to look at that from a defensive perspective for LSU and then from a pitching side of things. Georgia is the third worst team in Southeastern Conference play, they hit only 268 with runners on base, okay? They hit only 262 with runners in scoring position, and they are also very bad when it comes to hitting with two outs. But the caveat is very weird. They lead the SEC with a 280 batting average when there's nobody on base. So it looks like Georgia does a great job when nobody's on base in terms of hitting as they lead the conference in that statistic. But once they get people on base, they're terrible, which is very interesting. They just don't have the ability to drive in runs. 
LSU on the flip side is hitting 281 with two outs, and that continues to lead the SEC. A couple of key pitching statistics to be aware of this weekend. Once again, LSU's hitters, they face a very below average staff. That's three weekends in a row when you look at Auburn, Mississippi State, and Georgia. You're probably rolling your eyes say, well, that didn't turn out too well for us, Chris. Georgia has the 12th worst team ERA in SEC conference games at 7.50. LSU has the eighth uh, best team ERA, I guess you want to categorize that, as a 6.32. Georgia's pitching staff has given up a ton of hits. They have the 12th highest batting average against at 292. They do not strike out a ton of hitters. In fact, it's the second fewest in the conference. LSU pitchers have the sixth ranked batting average against and they continue to lead the conference in terms of opposing hitters struck out. The last stat to give you, Georgia's pitching staff has the highest batting average against versus right-handed hitters. So they are allowing right-handed hitters to bat 307 off of them. So hopefully that's good news for Gavin Dugas, Tommy Tanks, Dylan Cruz, um, Jordan Thompson, Hayden Travinsky. Hopefully those guys can have a stellar weekend as Georgia's pitchers likes to give it up versus right-handed hitters. Fielding-wise, Georgia's much better than LSU. LSU continues to slide in that category. They are 11th in fielding percentage in conference games at 969, while Georgia does a very good job picking it as they are in the top four at 983. Okay, who are some of the key hitters to watch out for? Now, Georgia does have some very key guys, so pay attention to these names because, look, if LSU can limit these guys, they have a really high chance for success this weekend in Athens. And to me, it's four guys, period. Leadoff hitter, Ben Anderson. He's going to play center field. He's hitting 281 on the year, but he only has an on-base percentage of 376, which is pretty low, in my opinion, for a leadoff hitter. He has a bunch of strikeouts as well. He actually leads the team in strikeouts at 55. So it's kind of weird for a leadoff hitter because he's going to swing. That's kind of that Georgia mantra, right? They don't walk a lot. They don't really strike out a lot. Ben Anderson does that. And when he gets on base, he can run being the center fielder but we got to prevent that guy from getting on base. The big stud in the middle of that lineup is he's going to hit two-hole for them, freshman Charlie Condon. He is having an amazing year. He is the potential SEC freshman of the year and also a potential national freshman of the year candidate. He is hitting 415 on the year. That's in the totality of their games, 415. 24 home runs. So obviously Tommy Tank's record last year that he set for freshman home runs at 27 is in serious jeopardy. He has 65 RBIs and only 39 Ks, which is a very good mark for such a power hitter as a freshman in the SEC. He leads the SEC in slugging percentage when you look at conference games, and he also leads the SEC in home runs when you look at conference games as well with 15. So Charlie Condon, 6'4", righty. Be on the lookout for him. Following him up in the order is outfielder Connor Tate. Tate is hitting 390. He has 15 home runs and 53 RBIs, but he does have 41 Ks. Once again, a big swing and miss guy. And then finally rounding out the four major hitters to highlight for Georgia is Parks Harbor, who's hitting 281. He has 17 bombs, though, which is good for second on the team. 53 RBIs. 51 Ks as well, and only 16 walks. So let me let me say those names again for you, okay? They're their top four in the order. Ben Anderson's going to lead it off. The stud freshman, Charlie Condon, you got to worry about him. Then you have Connor Tate. You got to worry about him. And then finally backing those guys up is Parks Harbor. In terms of the key pitchers, look, the last couple of weekends, 
with Auburn and Mississippi State that decided to hold their ace for game two. And at the time of this recording, I would imagine Georgia is going to do something similar. Although I do think the game two and the game three starters are their two best starters. I don't really think the game one guy that's been going is um, is their best pitcher by any means. So I'd imagine they may roll him out there, or they're going to throw a, a reliever in that role just as an opener. In terms of who they may roll out there on Friday, excuse me, Thursday, is uh, freshman right-handed pitcher Colton Smith. He does have eight games started. He's two and three with a 5.33 ERA, 25 and a third innings pitched, 22 Ks and 16 walks. So if he doesn't start the first game, I would imagine he could be first in relief since he can extend, obviously. And um, Georgia may go with a lefty. I'm just not sure what they're going to do at the time of this recording. Maybe be somebody out there bullpen. I'll get to those names in a second. But in terms of the Friday game, so game two, remember this is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. In terms of game two, I think they will start left-handed pitcher Charlie Goldstein. 44 innings pitched, 41 hits on the year, 15 walks and 45 Ks. He sports a 240 batting average against. He is 3-1 and one with a 4.50 ERA is Goldstein. Following him up in the game three slot is another left-handed starting pitching. Pitcher Liam Sullivan. Sullivan is four and two on the year. Thirteen games started, five point eight three ERA. Now he does have a good strikeout to walk ratio in fifty-eight and two-thirds innings pitched. Sullivan has seventy Ks and he's only given up fifty-seven hits. But his batting average against is a little elevated at two fifty-two. From what I can remember about Sullivan, he's a tall lefty, about six-six. Um, I don't think he throws particularly hard. And that's low 90s nowadays. But I do think he does have a very good changeup from what I remember. He has given up a lot of home runs, though. He has given up 12 home runs so far. So uh, Thursday, game one, flip a coin. Uh, game two, I think it's going to be Charlie Goldstein, who's left-handed. And then in game three, I think you're going to see another left-handed pitcher in Liam Sullivan. In terms of their bullpen, somebody that LSU could see definitely once, if not twice, this weekend He's their stud out of their bullpen. He's got 30 appearances on the year. That is right-handed pitcher Dalton Radons or Rahadons. They don't have a pronunciation guide. I don't understand why more SEC teams don't have that. Otherwise, I wouldn't butcher these poor kids' names. So let's just call him Dalton. So Dalton has 30 appearances on the year. He is 3-2 and two with a 4.20 ERA and 40 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has 30 Ks, and he has a batting average against of 271. I've seen clips of Georgia, and I've seen clips of him. He has a very funky delivery. It's almost a sidearm or low three-quarters, but it's going to give the righty some issues. It's going to take him a little while to, to kind of figure out where he's letting the ball go and see how his breaking pitches go, but the lefties should be able to get on him uh, pretty easily. They should be able to pick up his stuff since they have a, a good viewpoint and a good angle since he does throw sidearm or uh, low three quarters. Some other names out the pen, right-handed pitcher Chandler Marsh, 21 appearances and 25 innings pitch. He has 41 K. So that's a pretty impressive stat by that young man. Um, right-handed pitcher Leighton Finley, 19 appearances, 6.12 ERA with a 305 batting average against. Another guy you're going to see is right-handed pitcher Nolan Crisp, 9.28 ERA. With 14 appearances and a batting average against a 344. We've got to remember, these guys cannot pitch it. They're not very good in terms of uh, throwing the baseball this year. 
and a couple of lefties out the pen to go along with the left-handed starters. Luke Wagner, 16 appearances with a 9.60 ERA. Also, you're going to see uh, probably Jarvis Evans as he has started a game this year. And then finally, Colin Caldwell. So, CC right there. So, those are some of the guys out the pen with the main guy being Dalton Rodons with 30 appearances. All right, moving on here on the 60 feet, 6 inches LSU pod. Let's get to the three keys to the weekend for the Tigers. The first key, in my opinion, it's got to be Ty Floyd. I think he's the key to the weekend and possibly the key to the postseason moving forward. And you've probably, if you listen to the podcast, you've heard me say that a couple of weeks ago. Last weekend, he was lights out. Six innings pitched, a career high, 10 Ks. I just think he needs to back that up with another consistent outing. And he had a great first three innings against Auburn. I think he had seven Ks in the first three innings. In that fourth inning, he just kind of fell apart right there as the ejections went on, the balk went on. So it was just kind of a mess. Moving forward, Floyd is the pitcher that could be on the the mound for a game three in a regional or in a game two in a super regionals with a chance to get you to the College World Series. He's going to have to deal with those expectations and what better time to start than this weekend in the last SEC series of the year on the road against Georgia. To me, one of the things I've noticed about Floyd's last couple of outings is if you remember early in the year, he was throwing a ton of fastballs, probably 85% fastballs. But his last three outings, it looks like he's really started to incorporate breaking balls and changeups more early on in the game, even in the first inning. And my biggest thing is I think that's great. That allows teams to uh, realize that you will throw that pitch so they can't just sit on mainly fastball. And even if that pitch is not a strike, at least it puts that in their heads that, yes, he will throw breaking balls. He will throw it early in the count. So I totally can't just discount that pitch and just sit on complete fastballs from Ty Floyd. The second key to the weekend for the LSU Tigers, I think the right-handed pitchers from the bullpen will be massive this weekend. And I was really going to focus on the left-handed pitchers, but once I looked at Georgia's lineup, they only have one true lefty in the lineup, and that's Ben Anderson, the center fielder. They'll also put in there Corey Collins, who starts at catcher. He does play a good amount. So even if you put Collins in there, they only have two lefties in the entire lineup. So that's why I went with the right-handed pitchers out of the pen. And we know how Jay likes to go with matchups. And I just don't know if you're going to see a ton of Herring, Ackenhausen, Cooper, uh, stay in there for extended amounts of time this weekend with so many righties in the lineup. And then those righties, you got to remember, are power guys. Condon, Tate, Parks Harbor, they can run the ball at the park. Um, I don't have a problem with lefties facing righties. I don't care who you are. As long as you can be- get people out, go ahead and do your job. But Jay, he's a big matchup and analytics guys. Therefore, that leaves Little, Collins, Hurd, Gidry, Money, and Dutton to carry the load out of the pen. And several of those guys, let's be honest, have been scuffling lately. And I would say Gidry and Hurd are your most dependable arms out of that right-handed list that I just mentioned. So they're going to come in in high-leverage situations. They're going to have to get the power hitters out. And the bottom line is they're going to have to get the job done in this predominantly um, right-handed lineup this weekend for the Georgia Bulldogs. The third key for the weekend for the LSU Tigers, they cannot let Charlie Condon and Connor Tate beat them. And I think it's going to be a tall task. Lately in my in my three keys, I've been highlighting a couple of um, you know opposing players that I just don't think you can let beat you solely. Right? I did that with Auburn, with Ware and McMurray. I did that last weekend with State, with uh, Hunter Hines and Colton Ledbetter. So this weekend for Georgia, I've highlighted 
Charlie Condon and Connor Tate. Look, I don't think anybody's really been able to limit Charlie Condon with you have over 424 home runs, and then Connor Tate getting the job done as well. But from what I can remember, that ballpark does play kind of small, which can work into LSU's advantage as well. I just think the pitchers are really going to have to, against those guys, just keep the ball down. And the biggest thing is, right, can you get ahead against those guys so where those, those two hitters aren't sitting in 2-0, 3-1 counts to where they can hunt the fastball. And if it's up and elevated, obviously they can run that out the yard. So I just don't think you can look back on this weekend and if you says if you say LSU took two out of three or maybe they even swept, I would find it hard to believe that Charlie Condon had two to three home runs or that Connor Tate had two to three home runs. You know, you, if those guys hit one apiece, I can live with that. But if they go nuts, I think it's going to be tough for LSU to uh, come away with a series win. All right, who's going to make the get right, stay right list here on the 60 feet, 60 inches pod? All right, I remember, now I try to mix it up, right? I don't try to put, look, I could always put stay right skeins, get right Cruz. He's been scuffling, stay right Tommy Tanks. I always try to mix it up. So first up on the get right list, I have Cade Beloso, the Creole Bambino. And yes, he ran one out the park last night against McNeese State. So on the year, Beloso's hitting 292 with nine home runs. But in SEC play now, the Creole Bambino is only hitting 219. But he does have four home runs in SEC play. Per my buddy Stephen Miller, I got to thank him from the stats. I did not do the calculations. He sent these to me. So big Stephen Miller, shout out my guy. He told me that Beloso is 8 for 44 in his last five SEC series. That equates to a 182 batting average. So I don't know if you're going to see him in a DH role. I don't know if you're going to see him at first base. But the Creole Bambino needs to turn things around as he's been scuffling. 182 in his last five SEC series is not going to get it done. And we knew that Jay likes to put him behind Tommy Tanks, right, to back up Tanks with a left-handed hitter. And he just hasn't been very consistent the last series, as we just mentioned. I just think he needs to uh, provide a little more consistency um, behind White. And with the ability to to the order to get guys on base, he has a chance to drive up his RBI count and also bridge, you know, the back of the order um, to like Travinsky or Joe Bear or Thompson. And the other thing, too, is we just haven't seen Beloso do it yet, and I can't imagine it changing. But if you all notice when Beloso hits, the shift is massive, right? They put the third baseman at shortstop or even closer to second base to where everybody's on the right side. So obviously he is dead pull. I can't remember an opposite field hit he's gotten this whole year. So he just tries to power the ball through the shift, and that's just tough to do. So Kay Beloso this weekend in Athens, buddy, let's have you get right. Also on the get right list is the bullpen. This is definitely a no crap moment here, right? They definitely need to get right after last weekend. And it just goes without saying. I I dove into that topic during the Mississippi State review pod, so you know how I feel about the whole situation. Look, last week in the pen had an 18.29 ERA in 10 and a third innings pitch. That's not good. That's not going to done. That could be the cause for an early exit in postseason play if they don't turn that around. Guys need to step up and throw strikes against Georgia this weekend. Remember, as I said in some of those stats, Georgia wants to swing the bat, right? They don't strike out a lot, but they don't walk a lot. So they want to put the ball in play. So as long as you get ahead and make quality pitches, that can definitely work to your advantage. I did some projections. So my goal for the bullpen with this weekend, let's think about it. Let's say um, LSU doesn't 10-run rule Georgia, okay? Let's say the pen's going to have to pick up two innings on Friday, uh, three innings on Saturday, and then if Javen Coleman starts again 
uh, game three. I'm sorry, I'm getting my days mixed up. So let's say game three. Javen Coleman starts. Let's say LSU is going to have to pick up six innings out of their bullpen there. So that's a total of 11 innings that the bullpen will have to pick up from Thursday to Saturday. My goal for those guys would be five earned runs or less in those 11 innings pitched. That would be my goal. That's something they got to work towards, uh, especially the righties, as I mentioned. So we'll see if they're on target. I'll be keeping track of that all weekend. On the stay right list, I got three candidates. First off is Trey Morgan. Look, he went off last Sunday. He cranked two home runs. They were absolute bombs. I love it when he gets the barrel head out and he tries to pull the ball. I wish he would do more of that, actually, because we know he can hit the ball opposite field. He can bang balls into the left center uh, gap and off the wall all day long. I actually predicted Trey Morgan to hit double-digit home runs this year. He's close, and he still has a chance. He's got six home runs, so hopefully uh, Trey continues to run balls out of the ballpark. On the year, Morgan is hitting 309 with six home runs and 38 RBIs. He does have more walks than Ks on the year, which is a good sign. He's hitting 287 in SEC play, but in his last three SEC series, He's really heating up. He is 12 for 37, which is good for a 324 batting average. And what I've seen from him over the last couple of series, he has two really, really good games. And then he has a little bit of a stinker. We'll go 0 for 3 or 0 for 4. And um, I would just love to see him, you know, just turn that around, right? Maybe be a little more consistent throughout the weekend. But that's kind of a lot to ask. I mean, he's hitting 324 in his last three SEC series. That's nothing to sneeze at. And we know that Tommy White provides a lot of protection for Dylan Cruz on the back end, but obviously Trey Morgan, as long as he's swinging the bat well, so he's on base, that doesn't mean they can really pitch around Dylan Cruz because that would put somebody else on base for Tommy Tanks, and he's as hot as anybody right now in that SEC lineup. Next up on the stay right list, Hayden Travinsky. This guy is going absolutely nuts at this point in the season. He was on the get right list last week, and that was a hit. And I got to put him back on the list because he is providing a ton of consistency and a ton of power towards the bottom of that lineup. On the year, Travinsky is hitting 439. We know his ABs are limited, but still, six home runs. He is hitting 391 with four home runs in SEC play. So he's getting it done against the best pitchers in the conference. You know, we've seen Beloso, I just talked about him on the get right list. Dugas is scuffling. Jones is scuffling as he um, didn't start a game last weekend. So what you've seen with Travinsky is kind of picking up some of that slack. And I really think he's going to move into the DH role when he is not catching this weekend. So I'd imagine that Malazzo is going to catch Skeens on Thursday. Travinsky is going to DH, especially with those left-handed pitchers this weekend. I think you see Travinsky catch Floyd again, almost like his personal catcher in game two, and then flip a coin for game three. If Milazzo catches Coleman, then I think you see Travinsky DH again as well. Last up on the stay right list, he hadn't been on there in a long time, but your guy Paul Skeens, the best pitcher in the country. I was very close to putting Tommy White on that list as he was there last weekend, but we need Skeens to stay right this weekend, and look, this is why. The way the last two weekends have gone, Skeens has done his job, but LSU has dropped game two and game three against Auburn and Mississippi State. It's more important now, right, for Skeens to stay right and continue to dominate in that game one position, especially if teams are going to throw off, right? They're not, they're going to save their best pitcher for game two. That's even more of a reason why Skeens needs to continue to dominate in that role. 
over his last four SEC outings. So that's Ole Miss, Bama, Auburn, and State. Check out these stats by your boy Paul Skeens. 26 and a third innings pitched, 18 hits, five runs, five earned runs, and three of those came against Ole Miss. Oh, by the way, five walks in 26 and a third innings pitched, and oh, by the way, 48 Ks. 61% of the outs are by way of a strikeout. Also, his ERA in those last four SEC series, 1.71. He's heating up at the right time. Um, I don't think he went through a mini slump, but you saw Kentucky hit him hard. You saw South Carolina hit him hard. And Skeens has just got right back on that train, and he is crushing people right now. So Paul Skeens continue to stay right this weekend, my guy. All right, let's get to prediction time here on the 60 Feet, 6 Inches LSU podcast as we begin to wrap up. Man, when I look at this series, I see the fact that LSU is facing another shaky and underwhelming pitching staff. But you could say the same if you're Georgia, right? LSU staff outside of Skeens can be underwhelming and uh, not very productive as well. They have faced the same type of staff the last two weekends in Auburn and State, and they were unable to get the job done. Last weekend, you saw the pin unable to hold the lead. Uh, You've seen the pitching staff at times unable to get quality starts from the game two and the game three guys and their inability to throw strikes at key points in a game. Look, that's a fair and true assessment of the staff at this point in the season. And just like State, I look at Georgia this weekend, and I see a desperate team, a team that needs to win a couple of games, boost their RPI, get into the SEC tournament, and then they need to try to win some games in the SEC tournament to solidify their spot probably as a three seed in a regional. And what better time to do that against LSU? The last home SEC series of the year, the um, last home games for your seniors. So those guys are going to be jacked. The younger guys are going to be jacked as well. So they're desperate. And you know how those teams play. And to me, I feel like this, this series is straightforward, really like the last two. Limit their top hitters. The rest of the lineup, in my opinion, they don't hit great, right? They look like they strike out a lot. And then once again, LSU needs to get quality starts from Ty Floyd, and then Javen Coleman needs to continue to progress and extend his pitch count. And hopefully this weekend he can get into the fourth inning, maybe even the fifth, if you're really lucky, if you have some quick innings and Georgia puts the ball in play early in counts. But once again, I think it's going to come down to the bullpen, and they could decide this weekend. I think LSU is going to continue to hit. As I mentioned before, they're the best hitting team in the SEC. There's no doubt about that. You can't even argue that point. I really think LSU is going to have a massive power surge this weekend against Georgia. Like I said, I think that ballpark plays pretty small. And I think the fact that Georgia's pitchers have a high batting average against right-handed hitters plays into LSU's uh, favor. So I'm going to put the over-under for LSU's home runs at 8.5. That's a big number. I know it's a big number. But I'm going to go out of the limb and put it out there. I think Cruz and Tanks go off. I think you see guys like Travinsky. And Thompson hit home runs as well. Therefore, I'm calling for the Tigers to take two out of three on the road this weekend in Athens versus the Georgia Bulldogs. It's very easy, though, on the flip side to see LSU dropping two out of three if, once again, you get into a slugfest or the bullpen has flashbacks to last weekend against State or Charlie Condon and Connor Tate just go absolutely ballistic. Okay? 
LSU could easily drop two out of three. But I just think they turn things around. I think they're on the road. No school. From there, they head straight to the SEC tournament. It's time to get away from uh, the social media, whatever's going on in Baton Rouge. Hang out with your boys, and it's time to put things together and start to get on a big-time roll as they head into the SEC tournament, the regionals, and then hopefully if the Super Regionals. So I got the Tigers taking two out of three versus the Bulldogs. All right, really quick, the SEC rundown. They got some big-time series, as always, this weekend. And something also, uh, they have some series that could affect, if LSU takes care of business in Athens, that could affect their RPI, uh, potential national seating implications as well. Bama hosts Ole Miss, and I think Ole Miss has quit at this point in the year. So I got Bama sweeping the Rebels as that thing just continues to burn down to the ground in Oxford. Auburn, who's been very hot as of late, comes in to uh, – they host Mizzou on the Plains this weekend. That's going to be a series that's going to be a battle, but I have Auburn prevailing as I think they take two out of three from Mizzou. Mississippi State coming off the series win against LSU versus Alabama. Give me State to stay hot as they try to make their way into the SEC tournament as they take two out of three at home from the Aggies. Tennessee versus South Carolina. That's a massive series. Tennessee's been rolling. South Carolina's been scuffling as they actually dropped a midweek contest Tuesday night to Charlotte as they continue to take a hit, and they're just riddled with injuries. Um, I think I'm going flip on this, though. I think South Carolina needs this one. I think South Carolina takes two out of three at home against the Vols. Most people probably think I'm crazy, but sometimes you got to go against the uh, quote-unquote experts. Give me the Gamecocks. Vandy hosts Arkansas. Once again, I'm going to flip this one. Arkansas is rolling. Vandy is scuffling. They play really good at home. Arkansas does not play good on the road. Give me the Commodores taking two out of three at home from the Hogs. Also, Arkansas got some bad news as their second baseman, Peyton Stovall, is out for the year. When you look at Arkansas's lineup, it is not scary right now. It is a completely different lineup than when LSU faced them early in the year. Stovall's out. Wagner's out. Um, you know, Diggs can still hit for power. Josenberger every now and then. Slavens. But the bottom of that lineup is not scary. You know, a couple of those guys can run the ball at the ballpark, but not on a consistent basis. You know, they're really relying on their pitching right now. So I got Vandy to take two out of three. From the Hawks. And then finally, Florida visits Kentucky. Florida's on a roll. Uh, Kentucky lost a series to Tennessee last weekend. Give me the Cats. I'm going to take the home team in this one again. Give me the Cats to upset the Gators. Give me Kentucky taking two out of three versus Florida. All right, guys, that will do it for this week's preview of the upcoming last SEC series of the year as LSU travels to Georgia. Thank you for tuning in. As always, reminder subscribe to the YouTube channel. And follow me on Twitter. The account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. With this being a late release and the fact that it's a Thursday series, I'm not sure if I'm going to have a chance to break this up into smaller segments. But don't forget the uh, podcast is on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever it is. So make sure you're on the lookout for the review of the Georgia series. You know, with the, with the series ending on Saturday, there's a good chance I'm going to be able to go live with some co-hosts on Sunday. So be out, be on the lookout for that as I will let you all know on Twitter how we're going to do that. Also have some things planned for um, the SEC tournament and then the regionals coming around. So hopefully I can execute on those big plans and continue to bring you all more content. So thank you all for tuning in. As always, until next time, you all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers. <laughs>